All right, we have a great class today. We've improved the sound, we've improved everything. We've learned a lot of lessons. Is the sound good? Everybody can, great, everybody can hear us? Okay, and the last time we had a, we had a problem with the sound. Um, also, I just want to, if everybody wants to su subscribe to, to our newsletter, just go to gedal.com, G-E-D-A-L-E. And what we're doing is we're taking the classes, we're writing them up, so you can also have them on written form, gedal.com. So every single class, God willing, will be also a unwritten form, have it transcribed. So when I write the book, it's easy done. All right? All right, great. We have a great, great class today. We're going to take our sources today are Anatomy of the Soul, Lesson 49 in the Kutai Maharan, Visualization and Imagery by Rav Dov Pinson, and also we're going to have a book called Wisdom. Okay? We're also going to blend in a lot of, a lot of Joe Dispenza's work. Believe it or not, Joe Dispenza's language is very, very, you know, the way he, he describes the science of Amuna, it's, it's unbelievable. And when I was reading, the more I read his stuff, I read a lot of his stuff for my clients in, in rehab, you could see his stuff, his stuff is really, really telling us the science of Amuna and also giving us really what happens when we get stuck in it in Mohan Katma, when we get stuck in it in a bad state, when we get stuck in survivor mode, what happens to our brain, what happens, how we can't visualize, we can't do anything. One of the biggest things that I've done in my mornings is I've, I've cut from now on until 10 o'clock, I don't check an email, I don't check a text message, I don't check anything. Because what happens is, is the morning time is a very, very precious time, specifically if you wake up early, to be able to connect, to be able to re-record your subconscious, to be able to really, really get into that soul state. Very hard to get into that soul state at four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon. You almost have that window of that morning. If it's done in that morning, otherwise it's very, very different. Usually what happens is there's a lot of mercy in the morning. So the morning is the best time to really create a visualization, to create goals, to, to erase the subconscious, to fight limiting beliefs. Once you start getting into survivor mode, for example, let's say you open up your phone and you're about to meditate. Next thing you know, you see an email you don't like, and you're finished. It's the end of it. Now you're going to be thinking about the email, you're about, to, you're about to meditate, the email's on your mind, and the whole, whole meditation is usually at the window. So it's very, very important. One of the greatest things you could do is don't touch your phone until 7, 8 o'clock. There's got to be that, that time of 2 o'clock, 2 hours, 3 hours in the morning where you don't respond to anything, where you don't react to anything. Oh my God, you believe this? You believe what happened to Trump? Oh, you believe this? You believe that? All those you won't believe what happened doesn't allow you to create. You're just reacting. And that's what we don't want. Because what happens is if we just react, we can't really get into a good space. That's why a lot of times, you know, and it happened to me. You start checking emails, you start doing this, next thing you know, you, you try to go meditate, you try to do his bodhidut, and your mind's like, finished. It's got a thousand things going on, you're thinking about the email, you're thinking about this, and you really can't co-create at that time, and that's really, really, really prime time. So that's just before we get into that class, just a very, very, one of the things I've taken on, and I've realized the major difference between the signal you get and the flow, etc. The Joe Dispenza says something beautiful. He says, we cannot create a new future by holding on to the emotions of the past. Very, very important concept. We cannot create a new future if we hold on to the emotions of the past. A lot of times we hold on to the emotions of the past for control, for comfort, we're afraid of change, but this is usually what's happening. There's a lot of people are holding on to the past and this is why they can create a new future. And usually we bring all this energy into new relationships and we bring into new jobs and all that. 
and this is what's happening, we're, we're not letting go of it. And you need a mechanism to let go of this stuff. It's not just I can say, oh, forget about it, just get over it. No, you need a mechanism. You need prayer, you need meditation, you need a surrender, these things. Then he says, when we live by the hormones of stress, and all the energy that we go through, go through the hormonal centers, they go away from the heart, and the heart is starved of energy. This is a very, very important concept, which I'm going to talk about in Lesson 49. That means, to the extent that, what, stress, what does stress do? Like Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 49, it clogs the heart. We're going to refer to right now the heart as being the creator. So imagine if I have a clogged heart. What happens if I have a clogged heart? I have a clogged mind. If I have a clogged belief system, my belief system shot, my mind is shot. That means if my heart, where, is the, where, where does our belief systems come from? It comes from our heart. But to the extent that our heart is clogged, our mind is clogged. And you could see that he did a lot of studies on chakra cleansing and all that. You know, it's very similar to the, to the Sfirot, so where we speak about Kabbalah, how we clear, you know, we clear energies through the Sfirot. The area of Bina is your heart. And you always see the connection between Chachma and Bina are always together. That means once the heart is open, the mind is open. And he says the exact same thing. Once the heart is open, the mind is open. We're always trying to open up our minds, but not open up our hearts. When you open up your heart, your mind opens. Very, very important to understand that. That's why people are trying to always, oh, I can't get rid of the negative thinking, um, I can't get rid of this negative, it's bothering me, it's because the belief system is off. The belief system, the feeling, triggers all the thoughts. If you're walking around with fear, then any headline you're going to see, you're going to get a thousand negative thoughts. But if you get surrender the fear, and you go into trust, you think completely different. So to the extent that we work on our, on, our, on, our, on our heart, our mind opens up, I'm going to show you exactly the source for it in Lesson 49. How important, how your heart is everything. Your heart is the creator, your heart understands everything, your heart is intuition, your heart is everything. And what's, what's the greatest medication for your heart? Faith. If you want to take the greatest medication, Faith is the greatest medication for your heart. Rav Nachman says it beautifully. The greatest medication for your heart is faith. Not anxiety, pills, not faith. Then he says, when feelings becomes the means of thinking, or if we, not, if we cannot think greater than how we feel, we can never change. To change is to, is to think greater than how you feel. To change is to act greater than the feelings of the self. To think greater than you feel. It seems like such a simple thing, right? Being able to, to, being able to enhance an emotion on top of how you're feeling. Something shuts down, you have a breakup, something goes wrong, you're going straight into that mode. But to be able to think greater than you feel, how in the world can I think greater than how I feel? Only through faith. Faith is the only thing that allows me to think greater than I would feel. You take, for example, placebo. What does a placebo do? It could be a saline, it could be a sugar pill, but the person's already enhancing a new feeling ahead of that experience. You take an Advil, next thing you know, with one minute, the headache's gone. It really took one minute for that headache to be gone so fast, but you stopped worrying about it. Or all of a sudden, people, they book the therapist, 
all of a sudden they felt much better. They didn't even go to the therapist. Just booking the therapist. Why? Because they're not in survival mode anymore. They're okay, but book the therapist. All of a sudden they feel better. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. One of the greatest things is to be able to think greater than how you feel. You know why? Because usually when we're in this, this mode, we don't want to pray, we, we don't want to do things, we don't want to give charity, we, we don't want to do anything good because we're in that survival mode, we're in that, that mode. So being able to think greater than you feel is literally, literally your whole life depends upon it. You know, we always get, because what happens in our lives, he says something very, very, it's so clear, but what happens first, it starts with a bad mood. And then that mood becomes your personality. You ever see a guy, he has a, wow, that guy has a terrible personality. But it didn't start like that. First he started with a mood. He had a bad mood. Now that's his personality. It's a problem. Because when your mood becomes your personality, he has, he's angry, but now, oh, this guy's he's so angry. He's an angry person. Are you angry? Now you become an angry person. So to the extent that we don't make that change, we become, like he says something beautiful, he says your personal reality became your personality. And that is a big problem. Because that means time stopped for you. Something happened, let's say, somebody got a divorce five years ago. I hate men. All of a sudden that person's holding, holding hate, every relationship, etc. And then all of a sudden you enhance these subconscious beliefs. So anytime where something happens in your life, some personal reality becomes your personality, that means you stayed in that survivor mechanism and it became who you are. And that's a big, big problem in life. You know why? Because things are always going to happen. How should we really change it? It should be your personality should change your personal reality. Let's say I inhibit a resilient personality and I say, you know what, life is a challenge. Yes, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get hit hard in life. I know I'm gonna get challenged. I'm gonna go through a lot of ups and downs, but I, I'm gonna say, bring them on. So my personality now is becomes a resilient personality. So what happens is things on the outside don't destroy me. And that's a very, very, very important concept. Your personal reality, your personality has to determine your personal reality. Because if, for example, if you're a grateful person, if you're an open-minded person, if you're a person that that, that, that keeps his heart open, then you attract things. But if my personality is to be shut down, to be closed, anything that goes wrong, then those things, those blessings don't come, don't come into our lives. Very, very important. Very, very important comment. Then he says something, another thing. Each one of this is a class on its own. He says, if the hormones of stress are like a narcotic, we can turn them on just by thought alone. It's unbelievable how you can turn on a thought and you can get cortisol. Unbelievable how you can turn on a thought and get serotonin. It's unbelievable concept how God created it. That you should turn on the way you think, all of a sudden creates a chemical. Just like you would never say, or imagine if somebody says, my husband gave me cortisol today. What would you say to that person? How could your husband give you cortisol? It's not possible. You got angry and that produced cortisol. Does that make sense? You can't, nobody can create cortisol in you. We create the cortisol. We create all, all these things. But that's, it goes basically the same thing. Each time we have a thought, we make a chemical. If we have good thoughts, we make chemicals that make us feel good. And the more you fire something, the more it's wired together. This is where the constant, constant, constant waking up every morning at the same time, 
praying, visualizing, because what do you do? You're creating a new wiring in your brain. Visualize, that's the same thing. Visualizing cheesecake parties, visualize what you want in your life. You have to create that visualization. Rabbi Nachman even says that. But the more, th- you, the more you think about something, the more you enhance it. The more you enhance it, the more you enhance it. And like I said, every time you have a good thought, you have a chemical. Good or bad. It could be good chemicals, it could be co- just by thought alone. And that's something unbelievable. And then what happens is when, when thinking becomes meaning, next thing you know, this is where diseases come, etc. And this is why the hardest thing in life is to change who you are. Now, how did Rabbi Nachman wake up and how, how did he decide on what he was going to do today? He says in Lesson 62, he says, human thought can bring tremendous potential. When thoughts are intensely concentrated, it can get great influence, it can create, you can attract money, you can both, both, you have to be both concentrated, both in the mind, conscious and unconscious, down to the inner point. When you do this, you can actually force something to take happen. And he's saying here, the way he used to do is, he, let's say he had, that year he wanted to learn Shulchan Aruch, or he wanted to have a certain order of learning, he would picture in his mind how many pages he would do a day, he would picture where he was going to pray, he, it was so already pictured in his mind that he just walked into it. And this is pretty much the same thing, if you want to start a new habit, you almost have to visualize it so clear, and then you'll end up getting it. And this is not just hocus pocus law of attraction stuff, this is what Ramanathan did. He created such a visualization, because he recognized that thoughts become things. When you think about something so much, and that desire is so strong, it actually becomes a thing. So imagine for the positive, or imagine for the negative, the same exact things. You, uh, a bride could be thinking about buying puppies or wedding dresses. I mean, it's, it's all up to you where, you where you want to focus. He says, for example, he concentrated on completing the four sections of Shulchan Aruch. He said, I'm going to do five pages a day, and then he pictured in his mind exactly how he's going to go through Concentrate so strongly that you're completely focused like this. If your desire is so strong and your, your concentration is intense, you will succeed. Give you a guarantee. I've used this many, many times. Many, many times. First, I want to take on something. I want to take on a goal. First, I have to visualize it. What do I visualize it? Visualize in the morning. Five o'clock, four o'clock, no noise, music constantly enhanced, and next thing you know, all of a sudden I get to that situation. One time I was praying for so much energy, please give me energy, give me energy, give me energy. I was exhausted in my life at one point in my life. I had so much exhaustion that I said, please give me energy. I kept on praying for energy, and visualized having energy, visualized having, next thing you know, I met somebody who introduced me to my trainer, and my trainer told me, by the way, you don't work on your legs, and that's where the testosterone comes. So next thing you know, I worked on my legs, I had energy, etc. So you're attracted by, next thing you know, all of a sudden you attract the trainer, the trainer attracts you to work on your legs, that's with testosterone, and here comes the energy. So everything becomes a manifestation, but you first have to pick where you want, and you have to have a specific place. More importantly, when you do visualization, it's the best way to interrupt the other stuff that's going on in our lives. The other stuff that we don't want. So you have to have this visualization, and it has to be in the morning, and it has to be in a place where you can have quietness. I use music, I use, I use the same song, it's the same, vi- it's the same thing I'm focusing on over and over and over again until it's so in my mind 
and it comes true. And you could use this all the time. But in order to see it, you have to believe it. So most people, they start something, it's hard for them to do it. How do I know it works? All the questions getting to the thing is why it's not, ha- why it's not working. It's the too many of the questions. How do I know it works? What time? I don't feel it. Nobody's asking you to feel. People are asking you to do. Because what happens is, is we take the same roads all the time in our lives. This is what we get. You can't fight those roads. There's, there's roads that you go, they always, always end up nowhere. You have to create, our sages say, don't fight evil, create good. That means you have, if you have a road that you know it's not working, every time you go on that road, it's a dead end. Our sages are not telling you to go, go on the road, fix the road. No, they're telling you to create a new road. Very, very important concept. That means run away from evil and do good. Doesn't always tell you to fix evil. Doesn't always tell you to fix it. That means if you have a tape recorder that's saying, that's telling you the same thing over and over and over again, sometimes you just have to re-record. Nobody's telling you to fight the past. We spend too much time today fighting the past. Where Rabbi Nachman says, forget about the past. He says, even the Lubavitcher Rebbe says something very beautiful. He's saying, when do you know that you have truly returned and changed your past? How do you know you've really done good things with the past? As long as the past keeps on pulling you down, it remains what it always was. When the past drives you higher and higher each day, you know that the past has been transformed. So this is very important what we do with our past. Our past is really supposed to drive us for the future, fuel us for the future. We're not supposed to be repeating the past and constantly dwelling on the past in that survivor mode. Because then what happens is we're not going to have the strength to get up and do the visualization. Our heart's going to be off. And that's where the beginning of the problem is. This is just the, this is just the practical ideas I'm giving you. Now I'm going to give you the source exactly where Rav Nachman talks about this. So you have the, exactly the, the concepts that I'm giving you and why it's so important. And you literally have to look at your heart as a vehicle for creation. You have to look at your heart literally as a creation. Another thing from Bobab Svi Friedman says, joyful emptiness. Start here. Open up yourself to receive all that heaven wants to give to you. How will you receive it? By being empty. The emptier you are, the more you receive. The more full you are, the less you receive. Very important. Be empty. Empty. Full of concern. What's going to be? What am I going to get married? What's going to happen? What's going to be life? then there's no room for the blessing to enter because you're in survival mode. Be simple, open up your heart, and that's who you receive. That's one of the things I keep on telling people. Watch out for sneaky blessings. They don't come in the front. They come looking like monsters, like problems. But they usually come in the back. But you got to let them in. If you're already stuck with a story, if you're stuck with something, those blessings don't come in. But very rarely do the blessings come in on an Amazon box to the front door. They come in broken, or you have to go to the uh, UPS and claim the ticket, and the guy lost the ticket, you have to go back. They come in ugly, they don't come in, here you go sir, here's your package, like everybody's waiting for that package. It comes in dented, lost ticket, and it comes usually, usually as a disguise. And that's why they're called blessing in disguise. There's a reason why. Because our Creator wants to show us how much we know nothing. 
That's why the blessings come in disguise sometimes. Usually the biggest blessings come when you least expect them. But there's one thing you need to do to get them. You need to be empty. You need to be able to recreate yourself and be completely empty and then the blessings come. The more you're full of yourself, the more, you're, the more you have a story, the more you try to control things, the more you try to control how this is going to come out. You're not empty, so you can't receive. And this is where our Creator says the root of chaos is control. The root of chaos is person seeking control, either controlling his feelings or controlling what he's thinking, etc. Very, very, very important to understand the concept. Let's get to this concept of Lesson 49. Rav Nachman says the way he created the world, before the light of the creation, the light of the, of the Holy One was Ein Sof. Ein Sof means there was an unlimited amount of light. There was unlimited. That concept of Ein Sof is the same Ein Sof that we have in ourselves. You know when you think all of a sudden you wake up with such inspiration, you wake up with so many goals and so many, and, and all of a sudden you have all these ideas, you want to do this, you want to do that, you do that. That's because you're connected to the light of the way. And so, but after you get that inspiration, then you have to put it into what? A plan, and you have to put it into a realistic vessel. Because if you have too much inspiration with no, no, with no platform or, or, or no guidance, then what happens? The vessel breaks. This is what happens when people get too, too inspired and they don't have realistic expectations. So they get it, they have the expectations, but what happens? Too much big thinking with no vessel. It's called the shattering of the vessels. It's called failure. Failure means big thinking, but not, not, you're not having lack of small planning. Too much positivity without planning. It doesn't mean to be negative. Positive thinking means if this breaks, I'll do this. If this doesn't, good, doesn't do good, I'll do this. Doesn't mean, it's more positive thinking today is more being like resilient. It's not like positive thinking is going to happen, nothing bad is going to happen to me, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, something bad comes to him. <laughs> there goes your whole theory. No, positive thinking means if this doesn't work, I'll do this. If A doesn't work, I'll do B. That's positive. That's called resilience. Being able to move fast. Instead of saying, I can't believe things didn't work out. That means expect obstacles. Expect. For example, let's say somebody's trying to lose weight. Let's say, if I have a craving, I'm going to grab a Quest Bar. Positive thinking. You're admitting you're going to have a craving. You have a Quest Bar. It's not like, I'm not, having, no, I'm not having cravings. I'm not having cravings. Well, here comes the craving. What are you going to do? Then you're unprepared. It's if this happens, then this happens. That's positive thinking. Being able to not be stuck in the problem, but always focusing on the solution. So Nathan says here, before the light of creation, the light of Ainsof was infinite, but the Holy One wanted to reveal his malchus. And he says, because there could be no king without a nation, yet it is impossible to reveal his malchus unless he was able to take that light and give us all a free choice in our lives. He gave us the position, believe it or not, to co-create with him. He tells you, you are you can co-create just like me. He created the world in order to reveal his mouth. The point of your creator creating the world is to reveal his glory. So how do, I, how do I connect to that? How do I reveal God's glory? Practically, by having gratitude, by celebrating, overcoming darkness, by praising him in a very dark situation, by having faith when I don't see the end of the problem. That is how I can create, I can glorify him. The opposite. What's the opposite of, of elevating him? What's the opposite of crowding him? Complaining. 
he's, he didn't do this for me, he, I'm a victim, this person did that to me. It's the opposite of creation. That's why you never get results if you're a victim in life. Yes, it's not your fault what happened to you. Yes, you were victimized, but you have to have, you have to have, you have, you have to take responsibility to take action from that situation in life. Yes, you were victimized. Doesn't mean, you know, people are victimized. People get robbed, people get hurt. All kinds of things happen to people. You were victimized, but then comes the responsibility to take. The ultimate way I crown my creator is by overcoming darkness in my life and overcoming evil. Not understanding evil, overcoming evil. That is how his glory is elevated. Imagine a guy stuck in a business, a, a, a tremendous headache in business. Next thing you know, somebody calls him and tells him, you know what, my yeshiva's shutting down, I need 10,000 for my yeshiva. This guy's saying, I don't even know if this deal's gonna happen, my head's not even there. But this guy decides to give charity ahead of what happens. What is he doing? He's crowning his creator. He's showing trust beyond the immediate situation. When you get tested in life and you choose the right thing, that is how you crown your creator. Because that's his whole purpose was for his glory to be revealed. Because nobody's watching you, but you decide to do it on your own. That is ultimately glorifying your creator. And he's saying here, it's impossible to receive it except through the revelation of his Sfirot. This is how we, we spoke about the Sfirot. And then he said something. When, he, when our Creator, when he, the Creator of the world revealed himself, he created an emptiness called a vacated space. That vacated space, remember, the concept like the Zohar says, we are a miniature creation. He created a vacated space. The vacated space refers to your heart. That vacated space is the space that you have in your life to determine what something means to you. Something happens, here comes the space, and then you respond or react. That vacated space is where creation happens. Creation doesn't happen when there's clarity. Creation happens when there's a simsum, where there's a concealment of your creator, where there's a concealment of light. That is where creation happens. Very important to understand that. How could creation happen if there's already clarity? There's no need for creation. My Creator already created it. It only happens in your life when you get tested, when you go through a trial, when you're able to create, when there's a concealment. And the Rav Nachman tells us, the place where you do it is called your heart. Your heart is called the Sayar. The word Sayar means creator. Designer. You are a co-creator. You are a designer. You have the ability to determine what things mean. As our sages say in, 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 in very clearly, nothing has the light from heaven comes down unindifferentiated. Undifferentiated. It gets fashioned according to the vessel of the person. If that person takes, for example, Let's say the word Tal, correct? That word can be spelled Tal, means the bounty, or that same word could be spelled Lat, curse. The letters are coming down. It's up to you how you fashion, how you fashion them. Let's say Shefa, Shefa means abundance, light. It can come down Shefa, or it could mean Pesha, something negative. Nega, Nega means leprosy. Or it could be Oneg, pleasure. 
many oats. Many oats could be many other obstacles or name of pleasure from the obstacles. That means letters are coming down. It's up to you to determine how you want to fashion them. Is this breakup in my, somebody broke up with a, in a relationship? I could say, my creator broke my heart to save my soul. You just took that experience and you, and you created it as a good experience. You understand? The breakup happened, but what does that mean to you? Or you could say, my creator is always doing this to me. What happens? You get a broken heart, you fall into a very dark space, and you can't attract the new space because you're a victim of it. Does that make sense? So things come down, and we are the ones fashioning them on what they mean, etc. Perspective is everything in life. How you view life, how you view everything in life, how you view your creator, how you view your relationships. For example, if you look at the consciousness chart, this is a consciousness chart, very simple. It'll clearly tell you your level of consciousness is the same level as your relationship with your Creator. For example, let's say I believe my Creator is merciful and kind and He forgives easy. What am I going to do when, something, when somebody insults me? I'm just going to mimic Him and forgive easy. But let's say I believe my Creator is out to get me. He's punitive. He's, only He wants to do is punish me. I'm going to look at the world as a very punishing place and I'm going to seek revenge on people, etc. It's a pretty vicious thing. You, the way you view your Creator is the way you view your, your, your world. What happens all of a sudden, God forbid, you have a bad childhood. Next thing you, you say, my father is the same thing as God. So what do you say? I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to have anything to do with God. And I don't want to have to do with my father. How many people have ran away from their Creator because of the relationship with their father? So you can see so many, so much of our life is built on these, uh, on these, on these ideas, on, on our mindset, on our perspective, on how we, we, we come up with that conclusion, and this is how we label everything. We are the ones labeling everything. Very, very important concept. So to the extent, for example, if you think your, your creator is, is very uh, loving, then of course you're going to show love to people. You understand? You're only going to mimic your core beliefs. Your creator is loving, you're going to show love. Something happens to you, he did it for my love. And you know why it's so important to this concept? Because if you believe that your Creator is loving, then you will focus on making the mess into a message. Instead of, if I don't think my Creator is loving, then I'm going to look at the mess and say, here's another mess you gave me. I'm overwhelmed, I shut down, I go in survivor mode. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable how much your beliefs determine absolutely everything. And that's where, because the belief comes from the heart. The belief is the heart. The heart is the creator. If Rabbi Nachman tells us here that God created us, if you look in Parshish Bereshit, He created you with two Yuds. He created you with the Yetzir Tov, and He created you with the Yetzir Hara. Animals were created, only created with one Yud. Why is there an extra Yud in the word by Yetzir? I formed man, because God gave the ability to focus on, on to, fo to focus on positivity on the Yetzir Tov and the Yetzir Hara. Rav Nachman tells us this is exactly in our lives. Positive thoughts are the Yetzir Tov, negative thoughts are the Yetzir Hara. So any thought that you have that are coming from shame, guilt, apathy, grief, fear, anger, desire, pride, it's the Yetzir Hara. It's the ego. Any thoughts that you have of love, 
peace, joy, acceptance, willingness, courage, good thoughts, good chemicals, it's the Yesu Tov. Very dumb. It's where are you putting your attention to? Like we said, whatever you want to focus on, that's the chemical that's going to come out. This is a chart showing the consciousness. If you see the, the, where there's an uptick, 200 on, you'll see positive thoughts. That represents the Yetzir Tov. That is where creation happens. 200 and above, creation happens. 200 below, it's the ego. It's all ego. Where the Yetzirah is the ego, by the way. The Yetzirah is the ego. The ego is the enemy. The Yetzirah is the enemy. Do you hear the term? The ego is the enemy? Because the ego prevents you from doing good. The ego puts a block. The ego makes you resist good. The ego wants to keep you there. Because the ego is focusing on looking good, not doing good. So for example, pride is ego-based. Anger is ego-based. Desires, lust is ego-based. Fear is ego-based. Why is you tell me, how can it be ego-based as fear? Because fear is a sense of control. You want to control things. That's why you have fear. Fear makes you control things. So you don't let go. You want to let your creator in. So this is to the extent that we are in a lower vibration, in a lower consciousness, survival mode. The first thing that goes off is our heart. We can't create. That's the problem. I'm not waking up in the morning with a with a, I want to create when I'm in the fear mode, I have anxiety running in my head, I think life is a threat, it's not happening. And this is what Rabbi Nachman says, there's a Yetzirah, a formation, because God Yetzir formed, two Yods, Yetzir Tov, and the Yetzir Harah. In other words, the good thoughts are the good inclination, and the evil thoughts are the evil inclination. This is because the inclinations are essentially the thoughts of the heart. We look at the sages say very clearly. It says God has put wisdom in all those who are wise hearted. You see, you hear this term, the Torah talks a lot about putting wisdom to those who are wise hearted. Tell me wise wise minded, why wise hearted? Because we're telling the connection between the heart and the mind. The heart and the mind are everything. Everything we do, whether we do it right or not, is, is whether we're connected to the heart and the mind. When you, somebody's talking to you and you stick your phone in your face, what's up? Yes, your mind is there, but your heart's not there. When you're not present, when you're talking to somebody, you're not present. Your, heart, your mind is there, but your heart's not there. Doesn't mean because you're there, your heart is there. Rabbi Nachman says sometimes people could be in synagogue, they could be praying, but their, very, their lips are the ones that are moving. Mini vanilla, what's that song? Mini vanilla? Remember that? People pay for a concert to hear lips, two lip syncing people, they went crazy. Everybody wanted their money back. But that's what happens is, when a person doesn't have his heart, what happens with Nachman saying, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are very far away. Their hearts are very far away. But what's, again, what's causing my heart to be very far away? The lower levels of consciousness, the lower levels of fear, my, my belief, my, my relationship with my Creator. My thinking that he's always out to get me, etc. And then he says here, the most important thing. The most important thing. But when a person thinks evil thoughts, he clogs up his heart and he spoils creation. That is the aha moment. <laughs> he spoils his creation. Do you understand what that means? 
You're done creating. You can't create. It's a very, it's a crazy concept. When I think evil thoughts, when I block my heart with anger, pride, all these negative thoughts, I clog up my heart and I stop creation. There you go. You stop creating. Why? Because your heart is not. That's why David the Melech says, we always say in the prayer, open up my heart, purify my heart. We're screaming always, open up my heart, purify my heart, clean my heart out. You should say, clean my mind up. Why? Why? Nobody's saying, clean my mind up. Say, clean my mind. My mind is going crazy. It's all the heart because the heart is a creation, not the mind. Everything's happening from the heart. And Rabbi Nachman says, circumcise the foolishness of your heart. Your heart's foolishness. And we see this when a person thinks good heart, good thoughts, and how he serves his creator, then his heart becomes halal. Halal. That hollowness, the openness, is what allows you to create. I can't create if I'm already full. I can't go on a date with somebody if they're already like this. They're closed. They're already visualizing. I need this kind of guy. This, this, this. It comes closed. You don't match that. You're closed. The picture, what I wanted, your picture is closed. We have images in our mind of what we think is good. We don't think it's good. Closed. So when that closure is, nothing new can come in. That is what we're not telling you. So this is why his bodhidut is what? Heart. You're working on heart. It's all your hearts. What are you doing with hearts? You're, sh- you're going into bittel. You know what bittel means? Bittel means a surrender. Bittel means a complete surrender to nothingness. I want to surrender when I don't even exist because the more I don't exist, the more I can receive. The more I exist, the less I can receive. So the concept of bittel, Rabbi Nachman tells you, you need to go into bittel. You need to go surrender completely, completely to your nothingness. To nobody, that nobody can bother you, you could be insulted, people can tell you whatever they want to tell you, then, the, you're, then God's glory will shine. Because why? That's because you're a creator now. You're, you're, you're creating things in life. You're not, you're not stuck on thinking becomes your ways of feeling. You become the co-creator in life. This is an unbelievable concept because you're, you're, that's it. You're not, I'm not a slave to anything. I can change my heart. I can open up my heart and my life can change. I'm not slave. That's what the hope is. The hope is, that's what Ramachan says, there's no such thing as giving up hope. Because I'm only not giving up hope because my heart is clogged. But once I open up my heart, I'm open. I'm open for love. I'm open for abundance. I'm open for everything. But I'm never going to receive it. That's why people are always waiting on conditions to happen. (laughs) It's completely the opposite. You already have to get there. First, and then things come to you. You understand? You have to feel love to attract love. Somebody that doesn't feel love for themselves has low self-esteem. How are they going to attract love? What do they know what love is? They don't even have love for themselves. How can they give love? So they have. We always our sages are telling us whatever you want to be, whatever you want in your life, you have to already match it. Match what you want. You want to feel abundant. What happens? Things that are going to attract you. That means we're not talking about vision boards here. We're talking about gratitude boards and joy boards and opening up my place and living in that consciousness and then all of a sudden everything that, that's connected to the consciousness just comes here. And this is the only way you do this is by 
tremendous faith. That's why faith is doesn't, you don't get stuck in a situation. Okay, the, the relationship didn't work out. He saved my heart, he broke my heart to save my soul. Let's get remarried. Let's go start again. Let's start a new, new beginning. The business didn't work out. Let's have a moon and let's start again. Your ability to have to, to move on quickly and not stay with that heavy heart is your ability to have faith. That's why the ultimate medication for the heart is called faith. No other medication is going to help you when you have a clogged heart. Because how will you empty it? You need faith. And this is what Ramachim says, this corresponds to serving Him with all of your heart. What is service of the heart? Prayer. And prayer is dependent upon the heart, and one should devote his entire heart to it, so that it's not at the aspect of the enemy with my lips, and, and the enemy with their, with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And this is the concept of, when a person has a clogged heart, what happens? He spoils his creation. He spoils his creation. He spoils any, any ability for anything new to come to him, any love to come to them, Parnassus to come to them, because what happens is it's already full. It's full. You can't receive if you're full. Joyful emptiness is what our sages are telling you. Sages are telling you whatever you're feeling in your heart, empty it. Spend the time, empty it. Disattach yourself to things. Create the emptiness because you need your heart to create. You need your heart for visualization. You need your heart to create what you want. You need your heart for desire. I can't desire if I'm stuck already on, on something in my life. This is the most important concept. Person doesn't, they don't, person does not understand. When you're giving away energy today, you're giving, you're, people are stealing your ability to create new. When you take things personal, when you get, people get offended, when you get stuck in emotional pain, when you get stuck too long, they're taking your ability to create something new. They're taking that ability for you to create. So who you, who you're really hurting yourself. So that's why we say forgive easily. That's why we say have a moon easily. We, want to keep, we don't want to stay there because at that moment we can't attract anything. We can't attract anything. This is what we have to work on. The best way Rav Nachman is, is the place to do it is to do it in the morning in his bodhidut where you're able to go and you're able to literally do a, a meditation of his bodhidut which is called bittal. Bittal means to nullify yourself to completely surrender yourself to any, th any thought of control, any thought of fear, any thought of guilt, any thought of shame. It's a really, 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 really surrendering mode. Also, another place where we say this, we say this every single day when we say the Amidah three times a day. We say the Amidah in the last paragraph where you say you you say, let me, let me be silent. Let my soul be silent to those even who would insult me. What do you mean? Soul be silent? Somebody's insulting me, be silent? Because it's telling you, you can't give away energy. You can't give away energy. You can't give away your heart. Because what's going to happen is you have a clogged heart, that's it. <laughs> you can't create. You build, man, what happens then we build up stress. And then we become the personal reality. Then we become the personalities and the moods in that. And this is why if you have a structure every single day to work on your creation, to work on creating, you'll see the days that you can't create and the days that you're not visualizing things good, there's a reason why. It tells you that those days you're holding on to things. So there's a lot of surrender that needs to happen. 
That's the best indication to know whether or not it's working. If you have clarity in prayer, and you have clarity and you're able to visualize things, then you know there's nothing in your heart. It's working. But the days that you can't even get to that point, the days that you can't even talk, the days that you're holding, those are the days that you're holding on to a lot of stuff that has not been surrendered. And if you don't get rid of those, those things before, what's going to happen? They're going to accumulate there. And they're going to become moods, they're going to become personalities, they're going to become lack of self-esteem, they're going to become etc. And this is a very, very important because if you need a mechanism. You need a daily mechanism to be able to do this. That is the most important part. Because when I feel a clogged heart, I'm heavy. My mind is not working, my limbs are not working, I'm sluggish, etc. Our sages say, studies showing that 50% of stress weakens your body. So now you're weak, your mind is weak, your heart is heavy, and what are you going to do? Netflix and chill. What are you going to create? A new movie? What are you going to create? A new, a new drama? Heavy hearts? Exactly. That's what we want to get people to do. And when you do this, you can get anything you want. And it sounds pretty crazy because normally Judy's only anything I want. What is this guy talking about? This chutzpah, this. It's just they don't believe in it. People are so. We need a new language for Judaism today. People are so stuck on the, on the box. They just don't believe in it. We have to go to outside sources. People just don't. The problem is the belief. It's not. The stuff works. Visualization works from Malcolm's telling you. But it's the accumulation of heaviness, the judgmentalness, the too much thinking about something, and just doing it. And that's the problem today. The simplicity of a child creating what he wants, that's what your creator wants with him. Rabbi Nachman says the greatest thing is to have simple faith, talk to him like a child, tell him what you want. No, how do I know words? Breslau is not for me. Who's his rabbi? Who's that rabbi? Does he have a shkama? I said, do me a favor. Not for me. Not for me. Bring me simple people that just are simple. That's what the best people. And I've seen the amount of people getting results. You know, Baruch Hashem, we have the 20,000 people on WhatsApp. I, I get calls all the time, emails. People are getting major results, and some people are getting nothing. Because they already, they think they're too smart, and they need a, what's the source for this, what's the source for this. Not for you. It's not for you. May Hashem help us that we can all be co-creators. And we can all be zochet to be zochet to be able to be our true self. And you know, just so you know, the reason why people take drugs is you know why they take drugs? They're addicted to higher levels of consciousness. What drugs do is they get rid of all of this negativity and they put you here. But the only problem is you didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. Through prayer, it's amazing through prayer, you can get the same effects as morphine, as heroin, marijuana, every single situation, any drug that you've taken, it opens it through prayer and meditation, you can open up those receptors in your own brain. They're there. But what happens is when people want, they take drugs, they get here, what, what do you think happens when you have no vessel? You just come crashing down. But there are people who are really addicted to a higher level of consciousness. They want to feel great. They want to feel light. They want to feel they can create. They want to feel oneness. They want to feel wholeness. But at the end of the day, when there's no vessel, what do you think you get? Shame. That's why people in recovery, after they use, they don't feel great, 
they feel tremendous amount of shame because they got something without earning it. How you have to, how you can earn it, is you have to go through bittul, clear your heart out every day, every day, every day, and the more you do this, like Joe Spencer says, he's been doing for a thousand times, he's able to get that. Is you have to wake up in the morning, you have to unclear everything, and you can get to very, very high places. That's why Rabbi Nachman says that his bodhidut is greater than everything. It's a pretty strong line for Rabbi Nachman to say his bodhidut is greater than everything. It should help us all that we should open up our hearts in your appropriate. Have a great day.